Welcome to The Mushroom's Apprentice. A very happy new year to you. To launch this year, I am sharing two prior recordings of a conversation I had with my dear friend, Benice McNeil, who is the producer of the series Magical Egypt. Well, back in 2021, Benice and I recorded two episodes for a podcast that we called The Bright Knowledge. We were hoping to keep going with this, and both our schedules just did not support it at that time. Well, I listened to those episodes recently, and I thought they would be a good opening for this year. So in the first hour, we discuss sunlight, light therapy, and water, and there's a lot of good information there. The second hour begins with a poetic transmission that I shared, and that launched the conversation where we talked about getting your mind right, working with an archetype for healing and growth, the virus of fear, initiation, and so much more. It is a fun, dynamic conversation, and I thought it was a good intro into the new year. So I do apologize for the sound on my end in this recording, because at that time I was using a very old computer and it was way past its prime, but you still get a good flavor of the conversation. So I thought I would share it and, and I hope you enjoy. Hi, I'm Shona Holm. And I'm Venice McNeil, and this is The Bright Knowledge. Well, Shona, I'm very excited to talk to you again. It's been a long time, sweetie. And I want to know, what are we talking about today? You always come up with the best topics. Well, today we're going to talk about water and consciousness and also sunlight. Huh. So essentially, the healing that people are looking for is right outside the door. <laughs> of course it is. I mean, like... <laughs> Everything we've been told is a lie, my dear, isn't it? Gosh, yeah. like if you think about it, uh, I don't remember all of our ancestors for the last zero zillion thousand years dying from sunshine. No, no, but it's just so interesting, right? Because we've been told for so long that the sun is dangerous and you better use your sunscreen and avoid the sun from 12 to 2 because that's when it's the strongest and you'll get a bad sunburn and all this kind of thing. And I've always been a sun worshiper and I have to say, and I did use the lotions when I was younger, but then I just stopped. And that was probably 15 years ago or longer. And I would just use coconut oil or olive oil. And I bet you smell delicious. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I realized that, oh yes, it can be aging to your skin, but I, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm look, I'll tell you what's interesting in Australia. They have a campaign that's been going on for decades and it's called slip, slop, slap, slip on the sunscreen, slop on your hat. Right. And it comes from a myth, a literal lie that was created. It is, it's a conspiracy theory, but it's been proven true. The Australian government told us that there was a hole in the ozone layer. Oh yeah, that we that. Yeah, and it's been proven a lie, right, since then? <laughs> yeah. It was a lie developed by the people that um, 
produced spray can because their patent on spray poison was running out and they needed to get people off of it while they renegotiated the whole situation. So it was a business uh, lie, right? That And now even today, if you go to, which is where the land of sun, if you go to a cafe or a restaurant and I'm like, I'll go because I want to sit in the sun and have a glass of wine and uh, there'll be a table in the sun and I'll say, oh, yes, please, that one. And they're like, oh, no, that's in the sun. You don't want that. Australians won't sit in the sun. They they are under shades, hats. I mean, Australians are absolutely petrified of the sun. In the land of the sun. Well, those Australians should read John Ott's book, Health and Light. And I got John Ott's name from Dr. Jack Cruz, who is all about sunlight and how incredibly beneficial it is. And, and so I got this book and it's been just blowing my mind. And I think it was, it was written in the seventies, I think. And John Ott was a photographer who he was photographing plants. So it, he would have them growing in kind of a studio, which was in his basement. So he'd have artificial lighting and he was you know, trying to photograph the plant from, you know, uh, uh, the bud to the flower and, you know, the whole uh, life cycle. But he was finding that, oh, wait a second, the male part of the pumpkin, uh, the female uh, blossom, came about, but the male blossom just wilted and died. Wait a minute, what's going on here? And he realized, oh, he's got the wrong lighting. So he was, through all of that, discovered this broad spectrum of, of uh, light waves, right? And so it's not just sort of one light, there's all these different types of, of light. And of course, sunlight has the whole spectrum within it. And, and then moonlight as well. So there are certain plants that need that, that moonlight. And, and in any case, so all of this has an effect on us. And speaking of, of, of staying out of the sun and covering up, he says also that the light for us to receive the health benefits, it has to come through the retina of the eye, which means no sunglasses. Interesting. And he even spoke to to that in his book. And I told you I was so book solid today that I'm not sure where exactly that part is. Maybe I could find it, but he talked about, oh yes, I just found it. Okay. Okay. Then I half jokingly, he was having a conversation with a woman about, I guess, light. And he, he said that I half jokingly asked her if any of the natives wore sunglasses. And so these natives, I think were, I think this was in India. And, and she looked startled and then told me that the natives paddling their dugout canoes up and down the river in front of the hospital often wore no more than a loincloth. Okay, this was not India. I'm not sure where this was. Anyway, uh, they often wore no more than a loincloth and sunglasses. And indeed, some wore only sunglasses. She further explained that sunglasses represented a status symbol of civilization and education and had a higher bartering value than beads and other such trinkets. There is, of course, no scientific proof of a correlation between the wearing of sunglasses and uh, cancer, but it does raise an interesting question. And so I think this was in the paragraph, the earlier paragraph, that apparently they didn't have sunglasses and there was no cancer. 
And then as soon as they started wearing sunglasses, so of course now they're covering up the retina and it's not receiving the full spectrum of light, cancer rates started to occur. And so um, I am, oh no, this was the West Coast of Africa. I just wanna make sure. Uh, okay, I'll just quickly read. This was the paragraph before. At a dinner given prior to one of my lectures, I sat next to the daughter of the late Dr. Albert Sch uh, Schweitzer. Our conversation dwelt mostly on her experiences as assistant to her father at Lamborghini on the west coast of Africa. I asked her about the rate of cancer of the people in that area, and she replied that when her father had first started the hospital, they found no cancer at all, but that now it was a problem. I asked if the people living there had started installing glass windows and electric lights in their otherwise simple surroundings, and she said that they had not. And then I have jokingly asked if any of the natives wore sunglasses. So she said yes. Because also the regular window glass will yes. prevent certain rays from yes. entering. So I was very lucky. I got to interview Jack. Uh, Dr. Jack Cruz, actually, yes, about not I, a month ago. And uh, we were talking a little bit because he's also big on Bitcoin. So we were talking a bit about light. And what's really interesting about him, and in fact, <laughs> he he left his wife because she would not cooperate with his desire to ensure that his family had access to these rays. That's how that is how critical it is for him. And one of the things that just blows my mind about Jack is that if you look at Jack's been on this light thing for several years. And if you look at Jack before light and after light, it is truly remarkable. He's lost tens of pounds and anti aged tens of years. And the only thing that he's done differently is light. And you can see, like, you can see it with your eyes. He used to be very overweight, very puffy, very, you know, and now he's kind of like a Jeffrey Epstein looking guy, but like much more in shape. And you know what I mean? Kind of, you can see his features now where before he was more of a snowball. Like, so it's, it's, and his, when you talk to him like this, he's always, He's always in red. You won't, you won't find a video with him where he's oh, not in red. Yes, I've seen that. And he, another part that he talks about that's very, very important is if we're talking about sunglasses being deleterious, these things, the computers and the phones and the blue light are in fact damaging, damaging to your eyes, damaging to your health. Yeah, I use a screen that prevents the blue light from penetrating. So for what it's worth. But John Ott also talks about the radiation that comes out of the television sets. And of course, it come out of the computer as well. And, and how that has a deleterious effect in, on, on people and, and uh, makes you very tired. And well, uh, if you look at the difference, I mean, I'm, you know, no beauty queen, but if you look at the difference between yes, my husband, <laughs> <laughs> well, I was a long time ago, uh, Chance and I look about 20 years different in age without, without like, for instance, we went and we're having lunch at a place and somebody thought he was my father. And the difference between Chance and I is that Chance is a zombie, uh, not a zombie, a vampire. He goes to bed just before the sun comes up 
and then he sleeps all day and then he works all night in front of these screens, right? And so he literally, you can see him aging. When he gets out of bed, he's creaky like an old man. He can't walk properly. And it's all because he's been doing this for 20 years, right? And it's it's literally killing him. So on the advice of Jack, I bought him a red light to put by him while he's working. And here's something that's very interesting. I just got diagnosed with glaucoma and I had uh, very, very high pressures in my eyes. And I met a woman who told me that she went and she uh, went and did three sessions with red light on her eyes and she didn't realize that it had any impact on her eyes at all but she had when she went to the eye doctor the eye doctor's like uh what have you done your prescription is now better than what it was normally it's supposed to get worse right and they always make your glasses stronger they had to pull her glasses back so my pressures were like 30 and um I had to go to the eye specialist. So I thought, look, what the hell? I'm just going to go and do three sessions. And I did three sessions in a red light booth and I went down from 30 to 27. So I went down three points in three days of pressure. And red light is one of the things, well, glaucoma is one of the things that red light impacts. So I am a huge I'm trying to figure out, <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to figure out how do I do my job out in the sunshine? Like, I don't want to be in, you know, like, I mean, I'm very blessed. I have windows here, but still it's filtering that light. Like you talked about. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I want to be a yeah. gardener. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I, hear you. I know. I mean, I've been out in my garden because now it's summer in Vermont and it's super sunny and gorgeous and so nice to be here after living in the Seattle area for so many years, which oh, we have sweet. nice summers there, but you know, it's gray and overcast and rainy for like nine months out of the year. Right. So this is, this is amazing. And I've been getting just sun every day. And especially now that I've been listening to Jack Cruz and, and, and reading John Ott's book, I mean, I was never, I would never really wear sunglasses because in Seattle would be, you know, the clouds would come and I was like, oh, screw it. So I, I would say, forget it. But now I'm really soaking up the sun. And also Dr. Cruz talks about how you want to be out there early in the morning as the sun is coming up till about 10 a.m. That that's a specific kind of light. And then again, at the end of the day, and then between 12 and two is when you're going to absorb the most vitamin D, but you don't have to be out there for two hours. You can be out there for 20 minutes. And, and I just thought it was so interesting that last year with all the COVID stuff and, you know, and I, I, when everyone was in sort of WTF land, you know, in March, like what's going on. And then they were like, stay indoors, you know, and wash your hands. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm like, stay indoors. That's insane. Like you need to be outside in the fresh air and yeah. sunlight. Like, that's just like common sense. Well, everybody says, you know, we go on vacation and we feel so fabulous when we're on vacation, right? We do. We just feel better. And what are we doing when we're on vacation? We're literally outside all day yeah. when we're on vacation. It's probably the only times, maybe on the weekends, you know, if you've got kids and you have to go and watch them play sport, you'll be outside. But for a lot of people, the only time that you get to spend all day in the sunshine is on vacation and you feel so vibrant. So Chance also did these three sessions with me, you know, on the red lights. He was, he did them himself and he 
had so much more energy and I'm talking three sessions sweetie like so much more energy so much better mood so much better sleep and so we have organized our life in such a way that I mean the people that work in small offices with fluorescent lights I my heart bleeds well okay that's interesting you would say that because that's something else that John Ott speaks to and so those are those fluorescent lights are deleterious to your your health and and then they'll do them in different tones like there's like a pinkish tone like a warm tone that's horrible for you and you can go on YouTube and type in John Ott OTT and there's a fantastic documentary about his work and in it they talk about this uh, elementary school where they had those kind of fluorescent lights in two of the classrooms and that particular school had rates of leukemia in children that were the highest in this country in the US. And, and so they were trying to figure out what the heck was going on. And, and all the children who were getting leukemia were from these two particular classrooms in this school. Well, the teachers were keeping the, the curtains shut so that there wouldn't be a glare from like the glass building outside. So they kept the curtains shut in these classrooms. And then these children were just under these like pinkish toned fluorescent lights. And, and the rate, you know, they, they got leukemia. And then after a while, both teachers went off to teach somewhere else. And I guess the curtains were open and also the bulbs were changed away from that to, I guess, regular fluorescent bulbs, which are not well, great. I hear those energy saving lights are even worse. Like when way back in my other life, when I did marketing and advertising, I was involved at the time when the government of the United States was pushing energy saving bulbs on people, right? And there were all kinds of deals and packages and get your whole house done in these energy saving bulbs. And it turns out in retrospect, surprise the government was wrong and these bulbs are incredibly harmful and honestly incandescent if you're going to do a bulb those old incandescent bulbs the ones that give off heat are really the best ones for you yeah those are the only ones i have in my house are the incandescents and you have frozen so i hope you still have a connection Denise, you're totally frozen yes I was just looking at you. We can cut this. Don't worry. I'll cut that. But it was like, I'm like, <laughs> oh, Lord. I'm like, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So those bulbs are really bad for you. But yeah, sorry, darling. The, uh, no, the okay. incandescent bulbs are great. The old ones. Yeah. 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 That's what I, 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 I bought a whole bunch of them. And so that's what I, I use in my, in my home. The LEDs are no good either because they vibrate very, very quickly. And so it's Flicker. really disruptive to. It's funny because we used to say, don't read your, you know, your books by candlelight. When I was a kid, my mom would say that to me. And my grandmother who lived to 98 when she, cause she was born in 1898, right? Turn of the century. And so for the first part of her life, she was reading by candlelight at night and sewing by candlelight at night and cleaning by, you know what I mean? And her eyes were fabulous even till the time she died. So, yeah. Amazing, isn't it? Like you were saying before, everything we've been told is a, it's a ball-based <laughs> lie. 
it's basically the opposite. I mean, I've learned this, like whatever they tell you, just do the opposite. You'll be good to go. Exactly. So. Yeah. I mean, isn't that insane? I had an 18 year old girl. In fact, the girl that ran the booth, the red light booth, she was 18 years of old age, 18 years old. And she is in a state of complete anxiety. And I'm like, I, I, I feel so much for these young people today, right? And I basically told her that. I said everything, because she's asking me questions about thing, current news things that are kind of, you know, questionable. And I said to her, sweetheart, look, this is one of the lessons that I've learned in life is that everything that you hear in the news and in the school, check it, because there's a really, really good chance that it's the exact opposite of what the truth is. And her mouth drops, but I'm like, I've learned everything I've been told is a lie, you know, and she's just like, wow. And I hope it helps her a little bit, you know, to kind of, it, that gives you power at least. It gives you power to investigate things that are kind of giving you cognitive dissonance so that you can go out there and see what you can find for yourself. Because yeah. I think that is a bit of a problem is that like, I remember, you know, like, I, how can the sun be bad? I mean, I remember as a kid, you know, put sunscreen on. And even then I was like, this doesn't make sense. But then you're, oh, you're going to get burned. And then you do get sunburned, right? And so you're kind of like, oh, maybe there's something to it because sunburn is real. <laughs> yeah, those moderation, right? I mean, it's, you know, do moderation, build up a base, whatever. I think, you know, my friend and I were talking this morning and she was talking about how being suspicious of the government is, that's like the foundation for this. That's the foundation. Like, let's just, you know, that, that, that that's a healthy, <laughs> you know? And, and I will say that in the States, there is something called the Smith-Mundt Act, M-U-N-D-T, the Smith-Mundt Act. And I think that was enacted in either the 40s or the 50s. And it was saying that the government cannot do propaganda on its people, N-O, right? Because they'll do propaganda through whatever means, through entertainment and music and news, of course, right? And so that was reversed uh, at some point in one of the later the, uh, administrations. Sure. And so- sure not going to say which one but in any case put this <laughs> first and so and of course it's very obvious for anyone who has any critical thinking skills that that this is it's just propaganda non-stop and it reminds me also of like having an abusive boyfriend who what do these guys do it's it's textbook they isolate you because they don't want you talking to your friends. They don't want you getting any information that contradicts their narrative. And they just fill your mind with this 24 seven until you're just, you know, that's all you know, you're under their spell. And that's similar to a cult as well. <clears throat> and so, and also when you're in this level of fear that people are in, it lowers your immune system. Yes. And, and of course, makes it impossible to access the higher order thinking. And so, so yeah, 
But, but Look, truly- I think honestly, Jack talks about the immune system too. I think Jack talks about light. Like Jack talks about like the energy system of the body, something about ATP. And I'm not good at all the medical stuff, but there's something about the energy systems of the body. And then there's something also about the immune system, right? Oh, it's, it's effect. I think the sunlight affects the flora, right? And yeah. the flora affects the immune system, right? So by cutting off, by keeping people inside, uh, which they did in Australia as well. You know, people went out for walks and police like knocked them over and things. It was like ridiculous, right? Drag them back inside. But um, but but by actually doing that, you're harming the immune system because light is one of the things that promotes it. So yes, it's it's there's a lot of a lot of kind of craziness there. Yeah, yeah. I, we're designed to be out in the elements. And, and we're also designed to be out in sharply changing elements as well, because the immune system will adjust itself to that. And it's like working a muscle. And so if that's, if, you know, it becomes sharply cold, usually now we're indoors, we have our artificial heat, we're, we're in this sort of comfort level. But, but that's also why the, um, you know, the ice cold water is so good for you, the ice, icy plunges. The Wim Hof stuff. It, it, Yes, the Wim Hof stuff, exactly. So they stimulate the immune system. And also what's really interesting is the Wim Hof stuff actually activates part of the brain. Mm-hmm. that has completely shut off for us, right? And, and it is that thing. It's that, that we are built for shocks and survival and, and tigers jumping out at us, right? And there's something about that huge shock that we don't get in our lifestyle today that the Wim Hof water does. It literally puts the brain on, on. So that's another aspect of, well, we're going from water now, but that ice cold water uh, is, inc- and then he has a breathing technique with it. And I've, look, I've watched a couple of the videos and I've played around with it, but I haven't, <laughs> my pool's about Wim Hof temperatures right now. <laughs> so I could go and try it out. But, um, but yes, apparently it's very, very healing and very healing for the whole. I mean, again, he's another guy that looks, you know, 20 years younger than he is and is, can do incredible feats. So it's very, very interesting. Very, very interesting. That brain part of his story is fascinating to me. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, we've been domesticated. We've been domesticated. And so, yeah, and, and we're listening instead of, uh, having information, traditional knowledge passed down, you know, generation to generation, that's mostly gone. Uh, instead of being sort of outside and moving the body and being exposed to the elements, you know, most people are inside with artificial lighting in front of radiation machines, full computers or televisions, that's or whatever. Drinking fluoridated water. Right, exactly. And so... And for GMO food, perfect right. cocktail and taking pharmaceuticals. Yay. I wonder why I'm not feeling so great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the good news though, is that a lot of this can be reversible and, and ultimately it is, it's simply turning our attentions back, our attention back to nature. I, I've been saying like, if you just study nature uh, Victor Schauberger said, comprehend and copy nature. He was speaking in terms of, you know, machinery. No, he's whatever. the water guy, right? Tell us yes. about him because he's fascinating. So tell me about him. Victor Schauberger. Uh, yes. Let's see. He was 
born in Austria to a family of foresters. And I love their, their family motto was faithful to the silent forest. And so he was born in, I think, 1860, something like that. And so he grew up in old growth forests of Austria. And I just can't even imagine how stunningly beautiful that was. And he would sit by the river. I mean, he would just observe and he would sit by the river and he would just watch the water flowing. And he would be so transfixed that he said his consciousness would leave and it would flow away with the water. And when it returned, it returned with information. And so he was in conversation with, with the water. And so what happened was after World War I, uh, there was, I think, a count and his wife, and they owned like a, a huge swath of this forest. And they wanted to bring some of the big old growth logs down to, for heat. And it was like, how do we do this? You know, how do we get these things down here? And so different people, oh, well, first of all, I'll say uh, Schauberger's two older brothers went off to university. And when they returned, he realized their minds have been distorted. So he announced to his father, I'm not going to that university. Nature is my teacher. I'll go to forestry school. His father was livid, but oh well. And so that's what he did. And so this count put out this kind of contest of, you know, whatever engineer could come up with a way to get these, these logs, you know, down from the uh, depths of the forest, I don't know, would, would make a lot of money and whatever. And so Schauberger, actually the guy's wife approached Schauberger because she, she heard about him and he had, I guess, different inventions at the time. And so invited him to participate. And so it was through his observations of, sort of how nature worked. What he noted was uh, water just below freezing. And I think the temperature was something like four degrees Celsius that a log would, it'd be easy to float a log on the water because it's like, it's sort of thickening, right? So, and then it would be even easier if it was a full moon. And, and then also, of course, he noticed that water doesn't go in a straight line and it you know, spirals this one way, it spirals the other way. And so through all those observations, he created these specific flues for the logs to come through. And they did a test run, I think the day before, and it failed. And, and, and so, and he was in trouble because the next day he was going to show this. And, and all these other uh, traditionally or institutionally trained engineers were just laughing and they couldn't wait to watch him fail. Well, he went to kind of figure out what the problem was and he sat by the water. When he went to sit, he accidentally stepped on a snake and I think he sort of picked it up and tossed it into the water. And when it swam away, it swam like this. And so of course the guy's watching and he realized, wait a sec, even going like this, it got to the other side in no time flat. And so he changed the way, you know, these logs would come down. It looked almost impossible, but anyway, not only did it work, they got more logs down than he even imagined, than anyone imagined possible. So now Schauberger was, you know, the talk of Austria. And what ended up happening was he was sent to different areas to talk to those people and sort of teach them how he did it. And to his horror, of course, they used his technology to log the shit out of the forest. And so, you know, and what, I think I saw something about that. They logged it so much that it stopped the rain. So it stopped the river. 
<laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like they basically geoengineered the climate in a bad way. But I think, yeah. you know what I mean? That, that yeah. 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 And so he, at some point had to work for Hitler. He didn't want to. Hitler called him in because he heard about all these different inventions he was doing. And then uh, Hitler explained what he was going to be doing. And, and I believe Max Planck was in the room with him as well, who was a jackass to Schauberger. Uh -huh. But Schauberger said something like, you're going to destroy nature you know, if you carry on this way. And then Max Planck apparently said to him, science has nothing to do with nature. And in well, any case, Schauberger said he wouldn't work for Hitler, but then Hitler said, I'll hang your family. So <laughs> ended up working. I think you like your kids and wife, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. but he came up with flying saucer technology. So with a disc and, and again, just through his studies of nature and I can't explain to you how he did this, but anyway, he was, he was in his laboratory and that thing went like this disc up, flew through the ceiling, up into the skies and never returned. And uh, so after World War II, actually the Russians got to his laboratory first and raided it and then blew it up. So, but Schauberger's story of his life was every time he would invent something, they would weaponize it. Yes, yes. But he was saying the way that machinery is created, he said that's, that's, it's spiraling outward and that's what nature does when it is in the destructive phase. So it's very, it's hot and it's loud and it's destructive. But if you spiral it inward, it's silent and it's cooling. And I think that's what takes him to that zero point as well. And so he understood that he was, he was extraordinary. He, he could create water. Yeah. Like he had the understanding of you could turn a desert into a verdant forest. Um, and he also could cure or fix these sort of dead rivers. I mean, he, he, you know, cause it's not supposed to go straight. It's supposed to flow like, like this. Anyway, there is a fabulous documentary on him on YouTube on Victor Schauberger. And then a fellow named Callum Coates wrote a few really fantastic books on Schauberger. And then I have a few books that Schauberger wrote, but they're really, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> um, they're very technical. Yeah, but yeah. He was, he was extraordinary and he understood water and he was called the water wizard. And, and so, you know, water has a consciousness. And my friend I was speaking with this morning said, it's really like the Akashic records, like it holds memory. Yes, that's, look, that's a bit, I've always, water has always fascinated me, you know, and I remember one of the very first things I found was a, um, a, a, va a vase that was in an egg shape, not a vase, but a water jug. And it did this to the water. And I remember wanting to buy one, but I was much younger. And it was like $300 for this egg water holder. And that was my first memory of being fascinated by water in general, right? But I've kind of watched all the documentaries and I do find it fascinating. And I have to agree with you. And the Indigenous Australians know know very well that water has memory they absolutely do and there's something connected between the trees because the water goes up through the trees and the saps and the leaves and then it evaporates and it comes down as rain there's a cycle there and the indigenous australians uh believe that the water knows all of us all of our ancestors all of our stories 
You know what I mean? And it contains all of that. And one of the things that blew my mind, as you might be aware, I'm doing a documentary on magic starring Shauna Holm. And <laughs> I was researching water. Uh, no, I was researching ancient Egyptian magic. And I come across this passage by this woman who's absolutely fascinating. Her name is, oh, Om Shanti. And she had a past life memory of ancient Egypt. She was, she died as a three-year-old and came back to life and then had the most vivid memories of ancient Egypt. And she ended up through a series of misadventures working in the temple complexes in ancient Egypt. And she was fascinating because the, the archaeologists would come over and she would like, oh, there used to be a garden there. There used to be a fountain there. There used to be a <laughs> silly woman. And then they dug and they found everything that she said. So she ended up being retained by these archaeologists. But she wrote a section on Egyptian magic. And what she said is what they would do is that the people would come and they would sit with the medical person. And the medical person would essentially figure out what was wrong and then make, for all intents and purposes, a sigil or a talisman or write down in symbolic form the medicine that the person needed, they would put it in a basin of water and they would put it out underneath the stars. And then they would divide the water into three portions and the sick person would take the water three consecutive days and that was the medicine. I think that's just is that like that's ultimate homeopathy, but it was magical medicine for the ancient Egyptians, right? So that's very interesting to me. Yes. And if it could be done then, it could be done today. And think about that. That would turn the conventional medical system on its head, which is why I think in that documentary that we watched called Water Memory. Uh, Jacques Benveniste, who was doing these experiments with water memory, and he was following the scientific method, and he was repeating it over and over, getting the same result. And he Shana, was, tell people about that so that they understand about those experiments, because that is fascinating. It is, yeah, it's amazing. So Jacques Benveniste was a French immunologist, and and so he was, you know, following homeopathy, which is where water, you'll put a little something in water. And then, uh, well, later Luke Montagny would use the AIDS molecule, right? And so then you dilute it, dilute it, dilute it, dilute it many times over until there's no matter left in the water. I mean, it's undetectable. And yet the water contains that, um, it contains the, the signal of, or, or the, the, right, the frequency or the frequency vibration. That's the word I'm trying to think. <laughs> yeah, contains the frequency of, of that. And so, so Jacques Benveniste was doing these experiments with that. And, and, then, and then he would put that test tube of water next to a test tube of sterilized water. And then the sterilized water would test positive for the molecule, right? So, so you know, he was able to duplicate those experiments several times over and was mocked and lambasted and until and really it put him in his grave. Like apparently it was so mean. It was just vociferous. It was awful. And, and so he died. So then enter Luc Montagny, who won the Nobel Prize for isolating the, I guess the AIDS molecule, I think it was. 
And so he has continued the work of Jacques Benveniste. He's had his acclaim, you know, he's been very successful. So now he can uh, do, do this and they can say whatever they want and they do. Uh, but in any case, so yeah, so he did that really fascinating experiment where he took the AIDS molecule, right? And he, he diluted it, diluted it, diluted it. And, and then exposed that to, he didn't even add it to the water. I think he just put the two tests. What I remember together. is he had the, the frequency. He took like almost like the frequency mm-hmm. and then they emailed that frequency to Italy yeah. And then they played that frequency to water in Italy. So basically they teleported through email the AIDS uh-huh. molecule. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that it's, is... It's mind-blowing. If anyone wants to watch the docu- documentary, just type in water memory and you'll get... It, it's under an hour and it is... It's mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. And so, but but the the scientifics, they go bananas and they just you know, they want this stuff to go away, which I think is, is very interesting um, because science is like, wait a minute, what happened to the scientific inquiry? You know, like, if, aren't we supposed to be curious and, and want to explore this further? And if it's nonsense, great. I'll tell you what's interesting about that, sweetie, because I actually just wrote an article on this yesterday. Well, not an article, but part of the script, because I'm going to make a connection that's really weird. I went to interview Rupert Sheldrake in London and I had, speaking of those forests, those old forests in Europe, I took a plane flight that ended me in hell and I had to do a race across Europe and I went through all those forests just so that I could catch my next plane to get to Rupert Sheldrake because Rupert Sheldrake was leaving the next day to go to a water conference and if I didn't get there, I, I literally flew there for him. So if I missed this, the whole trip was just null and void, right? So it was like this mad dash and I lost my wallet and all kinds of craziness. But I got there and I interviewed Rupert and he went to the water conference. Now, I'm going to come back to that for a second. But one of the things that Rupert said to me is that science Science is supposed to be a process of being critical and asking questions about certain topics and finding things. And they absolutely do that. But what they don't tell you is that they do it within a container of beliefs and ideas called a paradigm, right? So because of our science today is in this paradigm, a box of materialism, anything that doesn't fit within that box gets bounced out and they only ask questions on things that are allowed in the box, right? And so so that paradigm changes through time, but we happen to be in the most material materialistic paradigm of all time, right? So anything like this is uh, left outside the box and it's hidden and stuffed under the cupboard and it's embarrassing to science, right? So they're like, la, 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 we don't want to hear about it. And I just thought that was really, really interesting because that's what Rupert said. But then Rupert flew off to the water conference and guess who he met there? At the water conference? Jack Cruz. Or... A beautiful young, well, beautiful water mermaid by the name of Veda. Oh, Austin. Veda! Oh, you bet. Oh, wow! Oh, fantastic! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So I so let's 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 talk about her for a second, right? Yeah, you interviewed her, so yes, I just interviewed her yesterday. Veda is fascinating, absolutely fascinating, because Veda picked up the uh, emoto work, right? The emoto crystal work, and um, where uh, basically Doctor Emoto had six photos. I think it was six or eight photos of water under the influence of love and hate and nice music and rock music. And he took eight photos and he was able to show that our intention or our connection or a relationship or our communication with water somehow impacted water's formation in ice to the point that you could take a picture of it and boom, right? It would uh, display its feelings. Well, Veda has a long story and I won't go into all the details, but she's picked up that process and she has done over 10,000. She has over 10,000 photographs of water. So that means she's done over 10,000 experiments. And these experiments include things like she's put a photograph of her best friend under the water and water created almost like a photocopy of the photo right which is just like wow that's like so that means that water sees the photo and is able to recreate it like it's an artist so water is an artist right so then she put a wedding invitation under the water and then the water didn't make a photocopy of the invitation what it did is it created a, an engagement ring, which means that water is not only an artist and photocopy, but water understands the content and then create and understood what we understand is related to that and then created that image to communicate with her. And her work is astounding, just to me, astounding. And, and what I'm left with is the belief that water is sentient and it is so aligned with consciousness that it could be consciousness i'm not sure i'm not sure if there's some intimately connected relationship or whether water is consciousness because everything your little kitty the plants uh we all have everything that has consciousness has water in it right you can't have life without water yeah isn't that just amazing yeah it permeates everything yeah. Then there's yeah. another woman that had a house on a hill and there was a flood and she didn't want to leave the house because she thought she would be flooded in. Right. And she was a, again, I think she was an American indigenous woman and she had to leave, it, you know, this big flood was coming and she had to leave and water was coming down. And so she went up to water and she said, water, I understand that you have to do what you have to do. I respect that you have to do what you have to do. But if there's any way that you could save my house, I would really appreciate it. And so she went off, did her thing, eight hours or 12 hours or whatever. When she came back, the flood had come all the way down the hill, divided in two, separated and went around her house and then came back to one and kept flowing. And that video is on YouTube too. I mean, that is amazing. Yes. Then we have Dr. Patrick McManaway, who is a dowser, and he has worked with wells that have dried up, and he's he's like a, a land whisperer. 
And so he using his, his, his actually not even dowsing rods, he's got a little pendulum. It's like an appendage because he, he doused my land when I first moved here. He's quite amazing. But yeah, he would go to Australia and uh, different parts of the UK, he's Scottish, and, and to the diff different farms where maybe the wells had dried up and then using his, his pendulum, he would communicate with the spirit of the water and then ask if it would like to come back. And then if he got a yes, well then is there something he could offer it? And so he was saying that around the world, there are, and certainly throughout the UK, there are these old traditions of singing to the water, gathering at different times of the year and, and dancing and celebrating and blessing the water. And so we've lost that. But, but so this is what they would do. They would sing to, to the water and he's got these extraordinary stories. One well in, in Australia actually where the water went like sour, like it was just undrinkable. And so they all sang to the water and within five minutes they, they then you know, put their cups in and they tasted it and it was delicious, it was clear. Yeah. Isn't yeah. that amazing? It, it, it so is. So, so when I, he tells your land, right? Uh -huh. So was he looking for water or what was he? No, no, no. He was dowsing, just sort of uh, checking the energy of my land. I had just moved here a month before. And I also wanted to put my labyrinth in. And I actually knew in my mind, I thought, okay, I know where I want this to go. But I, I just asked him if he could douse for the best location. And it was exactly where I was thinking in my mind. And he said, there's a blind spring, you know, just below here. So this would be perfect. And, you know, and then he, you know, took string and markers and whatnot and sort of, you know, laid it out. And then he doused for the correct place to locate my guest cottage, which I haven't built yet. And also showed me where there are underground streams. So he said, you don't want to build your house over an underground stream. It's too yin. The energy is too yin. So uh, it's not healthy for you. And he said that actually birds won't nest on trees that grew over uh, underground streams. So, and trees don't really like it. So I thought that was very interesting. And then of course he doused my house and, and just, yeah. And said that the energy here was really clean. And, and So uh, sweetie, awesome. we were talking about, we believe the water is conscious. I mean, what, so then what's the deal with land? Is land conscious too? You know, I think everything is conscious. And I, I know that our ancestors knew this. They knew this. And they didn't have mind control television and shitty books. And, you know, I mean, they, they were very observant and they would observe the animals. They would observe the stars in the sky. I mean, they were very engaged with the natural world. And then of course, there was the understanding that there were certain spirits that, you know, nature spirits and, and you could form relationship with them. And there was a mutual respect that you wanted to establish. And, and even when building a house, you know, was understood that every house has a spirit and, and you know, you've located in certain areas where the energy felt right. And so we've lost that in this commercial construct that we find ourselves in. 
And, and I think really the industrial revolution was a kind of dark ages in, in, in terms of, you know, it, it shut all of that down. And so we have now these technological wonders, but here we are in about to enter, or we have entered pretty much the fourth industrial revolution, according to Satan Claus. Is, uh, <laughs> <laughs> who, I love you know, it. <laughs> well, I didn't make that up. Someone else, Jeff Berwick made that up, but that was pretty funny. That's but great. anyway, uh, but you know, Mr. Klaus and the Schwabians have announced essentially that this is going to be a marriage between biology and technology and digital, whatever, you know, I mean, they're want to create soft robots or something, you know, it's the transhumanist deal. Did you and see they actually announced it on the UK government website just this week? Really? What is yes. Basically that humans are going to merge with technology and it's literally on the UK government website. I will find it and send it to you, yeah, but they well, announced it augmented people. I wonder how they're going to do that. <laughs> do you suppose they're already doing it? <laughs> Voluntarily, of course. In any case, you know, there's, where's the consent here? You know, and also where is, where's God or, you know, nature, that, that divine master intelligence, what happened to that? And so. Well, let me go back to that because if Veda is in communication with water, mm -hmm. you, Missy, have your own back channels into nature, right? Okay. Yeah. So well, I, I find that astounding and amazing and incredibly congruent around you and so how does one even begin that conversation how does one say hey look I do want to communicate with the spirits of nature or like how, how do you even start go outside and start talking talk to your land. I mean, this is what, this is what I do. Uh, I have a screen door in my bedroom and when it's warm, sometimes when it's cold, you know, I'll go to just to my door when I wake up in the morning and I sing and I'm not a singer, <laughs> but I sing, I just like make up, I just make up a song, you know, and I just sing to my land and then I go outside and I go like this and I just offer it my heart's light. I just open myself entirely. And, and I just say thank you over and over. I mean, I can't stop saying thank you. I'm in just this state of just awe and wonder and gratitude. I, I love my land. This is my sanctuary. And, 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 and I planted these fruit trees and I water each tree individually, you know, because they're young and they need water. And I talk to each tree like it's my baby. And, and you know, they're responding. And my garden is responding, this place is amazing. And then the birds are calling to each other. So yeah, you come from that place because it's feeling you, it's sentient, it's feeling you. It can read your thoughts. It can tell sort of what your vibratory field is. And so when we can calm ourselves and, and be in this open state and just sort of very fluid, it, it, it responds. 
And so that's the first step. And then you can bring little offerings, which we did. We used to do it all the time, our ancestors, right? And so that would be whatever, honey or some seeds or some flour, what, whatever it is, right? But you'd bring, well, well, actually in Ireland, you'd bring milk or butter to the fairy folk. And, and you know, you'd leave the first milk out for, for them. And, and, and so, and, and this was done again, all over the world. Every culture had their way of delivering offerings to the local spirits or the genus loci. And, and, and so that's a start. And then I've been apprenticing myself to the mushroom teachers and I'm in my 10th year. And my whole approach to the mushrooms, it wasn't from a place of recreational whatever, and it wasn't from any kind of clinical or scientific. I, I had my first experience and it blew my mind. And I said, this is a portal. Oh my God, this is a portal. And this is an ancient intelligence. And I want to go back in and I want to learn. So, so I just go in there. And again, like an open heart, humble, seeking wisdom, seeking wisdom. That's what what would bring me back every single time. And then I found my way to these tutelary spirits. And then I became a channel and just happened. Although a good friend of mine said, that's in your DNA. That's gotta be in your lineage somewhere, you know, and it, it comes in through the mushroom. Well, it's like the guitar thing we were talking about. Some people can play the guitar. Some people can talk to mushrooms. You know what I mean? It's like people have different things, but I, but the, in permaculture, there is a word that they use a lot, which is being in right relation, okay? So relating in a way. And so at one level, that's really, really easy, right? Don't frack the land, don't poison the water, don't poison the air, right? Respect it, love it. Um, and the thing that gets interesting to me is when you talk about offerings, right, because because of this journey that I'm on, I want to be in right relation and I want to give gifts. And is there, because of your heritage, is there a lineage of gnosis about what offerings to make? Or is it really open your heart and love? You know, like, I mean, is it milk and honey and flowers and you know, like, how do you know what water wants? How do you know what mushrooms want? How do you know how do you know the gifts to give them? Ultimately, you said it. It's 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 about your heart. It, it your heart and mind in the right place, right? So so in other words, someone comes to you, you can tell if they're usually full of shit or or you know if they have integrity, if they really mean what they say, and and you can just tell, you can feel it. And so so can all of these sentient nature spirits. And, 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 and so what if you had nothing? We have to understand that, you know, we are everything and, and the light of our heart, that's, that's huge. And to be able to just open and give that, that it, it's, it's amazing. And, and then of course, it's lovely if you have a little honey or, you know, something you wanna offer or, you know, even some pretty flowers or something. I mean, that's wonderful. Ultimately, it's a gesture. It's a gesture. And so it's not like some little elf comes out and takes this thank you very much and then walks away. You know, 
but but it is you know the the the, the essence of the gesture and again the gesture could be you know just opening your heart to to that and sending your field outward and and they can feel that and of course if someone you know tells you how much they love you you know how good that feels and you would receive that yeah and and then of course we can use a pendulum or dowsing rods for yes no answers and so you can go to your tomato plants and you know use your pendulum and and you know ask you know do you need any more water yes no are you good to go yes no you do, do that well i don't because i i i don't have you just to know yeah exactly. i, I can yeah. sense yeah yeah, yeah. but but yeah. you know if there were a problem with a tree or something yeah. you know i would ask some questions you know are you missing nutrients or is this a pest or is this a fungus or is this i mean at some point you'd be able to recognize that yeah yeah but still i oh, my grandmother was my grandmother had a little block of land i mean it was like a quarter acre i think every house was on a quarter acre and she had enough food fruits and vegetables and salad and enough animals in the forms of chickens and eggs on that land to sustain probably, I don't even know, maybe the block, I don't know, but also in the front, a rose garden to end all rose gardens, right? So she had this green thumb majestic ability to work, grow food, you know, and, and within one, like, so that was my grandmother. My mother couldn't do it. I, I have no hope, right? Like to, to, if I needed today just to provide food for my family on the land that I am here, we would starve, you know, it's just amazing how quickly the, the, the knowledge has left us. I would say also though, it's amazing how quickly it can come back. Okay. Truly, truly, truly. Yeah, no, seriously, because I, I lived in New York in my 20s and I thought I'm never going to leave. I love New York so much. Now there is no, there's no number on this earth that you could pay me to ever live there ever again, especially now. So uh, in any case, so I come out here and I always joke, it's like, at least our age will get it. It's like Gidget does a garden, you know, I'm like, it's just, I, last year totally got away from me. And uh but I'm like, I'm gonna figure this out and I need help and please, you know, spirits be patient with me, but show me as well and guide me and I'll get sort of impulse. Like you gotta plant this, do this, do this to the soil, you know? And, and, uh, and, and we all have that ability though. And, and we're in dire straits right now and we're in a spiritual battle and this is a battle on biology. And, and so, you know, I think these guys want to turn this whole place into a parking lot with a bunch of robots really is like what they're hoping. And so I tell you, I have never in my life, it's like, don't know what you've got till it's gone. Like I have such appreciation for nature and I just can't stop saying thank you. And I just keep feeling like I'm almost on borrowed time right now, you know? And, and so, um, and I can feel it opening its arms to me as, and it, it, you know, it loves us. We're, we're really made to think that we're such a cancer on this, on this planet. And there's definitely people who, you know, are doing great harm, but, you know, 
I think, you know, most people are really good eggs and, and they just want to live a good life. And, and we can reclaim this knowledge. It's, it's out there. And I find also herbs have been, you know, coming in and I'm going to be making my own tinctures now. Like all this information is out there. You know, you need alcohol, just make sure it's not GMO. So, you know, decent organic alcohol, uh, uh, vodka and, and whatever herb. And, and you, know, you can look this stuff up on YouTube or whatever and then make it on a new moon because that's when it's very expansive and it will draw out the, the constituents from the herb. And, you know, you just follow the instructions. It's alchemy, really- girl. You're doing alchemy. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But, but it's just... Yeah, and, and, and that's also, I, I not only want to grow my own food, but I want to grow as much medicine as I possibly can. Now, ultimately, the subject of our talk today is, you know, the ultimate sunlight and water. Like, I don't think it's rocket science. And I think essentially what these guys have done is they have put a commercial overlay over the living, the world of the living and then convinced people over the course of the 20th century, oh, no, no, you don't want to use baking soda and white vinegar. That's so 1920s. No, you want these chemicals, you know, better living with chemicals. I think that was actually, you know, a slogan. <laughs> so people got gradually taken in through the propaganda of all of that and all the big sales jobs they were doing with all of that. And they, they abandoned these traditional wisdoms. And here we are today in the mess we're in. I just read a book by an Australian indigenous man and he has gone through the system. He's a doctor, right? Um, I'm not sure a doctor, but I'll actually, I'll put the book in the, the notes because it was one of the most profound books that I've ever read. And he is talking about how today we live to work so that we can get a car, so that we can get a house, so that we can go out to eat. And we've got no time, literally no time. And so that we have money to buy these things, right? And he's like, uh, and that's civilization. That's, that's, that's the goal. And he's like, the way we used to live, we used to like work two hours a day maybe to get everything we need, whether it was hunting or gathering, or if we needed to build a new cover or whether we needed to move to a new part of the land. But two hours a day was dedicated to the same idea of doing the things that you have to do. And the rest of the time was for play, for study, for connecting, for relating, for enjoying for talking right and and he's standing over there saying how come you're falling for this how come like this is we used to work two hours a day and had everything in abundance the the streams were so full of fish the land was so full of food there, there was never, you know, they, they say they try to paint the picture of it. It was a hard life and, you know, it was struggle and survival. He's like, no, it was a beautiful life full of abundance and everything that we wanted. And now this is what you want is like the insanity. Like even remember our box, our paradigm, our paradigm 
is so messed up, so incredibly messed up that even by me buying water from Iceland because I want to have good water because I understand the value of water is so fucked up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's like you, you buying, I'm buying a friggin' red light instead of going in the freaking sunshine right mm -hmm. like we are so messed up we are so far so far yeah. <laughs> it's ironic sweetie yeah oh yeah it's there's ironic. a lot of irony going around <laughs> i want to rewrite the words too you know that isn't an ironic song you know what i mean oh, yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. i reckon <laughs> there's a whole new set of lyrics but you 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 are a you are an example right i mean you are in relationship with the land you are in relationship with the mushroom you have done miracles or miracles have happened to you in your life right and i think out of everything that the most important thing that you are an example of is somebody that has meaning and I think meaning is what is lack of meaning is what's killing is what's killing us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we're turning our attention to the wrong thing. Yeah. Yeah. And you yeah. have it, girl. I mean, you're doing it. You're living meaning. You're meaning in action. And it's just it's remarkable. I feel blessed to know you. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. The feeling is so mutual. <laughs> But yeah. I mean, but you know, look, I'm, here's what, here's what I'm doing. I'm hopefully bringing your story to people. Do you know what I mean? And that's so meaningful to me, but I mean, you're living the, you're living the way, you know, the, the, the Tao of it. And it's just beautiful. Well, thank you. I really, uh, I am, I find like our modern society, just deplorable, I have to say, you know, and, and so I have sort of over time, like remove myself, remove myself, remove myself as best I, yeah. I can. Yeah. Um, and I don't listen to representatives of multinational for-profit corporations all about the bottom line and you know, I don't listen to those people. I listen to, I call it God, whatever you want to call that force. Well, and the many representations under God, you know, <laughs> the, the many nature spirits, the elementals, the different beauty races is how I think of them, you know, who inform, uh, who once said when I was on the mushroom to a friend, we are not informed, but we can inform. So how they love to play with words. And so, <laughs> and so That's they what do. Veda says, Veda talks about, Veda talks about water as informed water. So the part that does the pictures mm -hmm. is informed. Mm. right uh -huh. so that's so interesting right I'm like oh there's all these little synchronicities it's just amazing can you tell the difference between a deva and a fairy and a and a sprite and a I mean do you have a sense of these different races 
I, I do, but I can't really explain it. Like when I'm in the medicine, there's all these different beings that want to come through and speak. And initially, so when I go in and I can feel all this energy goes up my spine and then my hands go into spontaneous mudras. And then I make this just wild sound and I, I, I wouldn't do it now, I wouldn't dare, but I can't really do it. But it is initially like, like the fairy, but it's not in English, it's these very strange sounds. And then at some point, the gnomes come through and, and I saw a picture, I was reading something about Paracelsus and, and, and he was talking about the, you know, the sylphs of the air and the gnomes of the earth and the salamanders of the fire and the sylphs of the air. Is that right? No, the uh, uh, um, undines of the water. In any case, there was a picture of the gnomes and I was like, oh my, oh, I sent it to you. I was like, oh, I know those guys. Those are the guys that come through first. And they're short and they're sort of bearded, you know, they're little toothless, they stroke their beards. And they've got these long, long arms, these long hands, you know, and they're kind of like, <laughs> anyway. And then it's very strange the way they sound and you have heard them, but I thought it would be too weird even for Magical Egypt uh, to air that. But in any case, yeah, so they come through first and, and so they're very distinctive. And uh, yeah, and then the she, S-I-D-H-E, which is the Irish word for fairy will, speak to me and then the the elfin i don't know there's there's well there, there's a frequency signature that each group has and i just know and so that's the thing like this thing is not it's not like really sort of cut and dry and oh yeah so then they come in and they're dressed this way i actually don't see them clairvoyantly but i feel them and so and then i you know i'm a knower they call me daughter who knows, not daughter who knows everything, by the way, but a knower is like, a, you know, for sure. But it's, uh, the more I know, the less I realize, you know, the more I realize it. anyway, I feel like ignorance is just jaw dropping. But in any case, um, but I'm a knower, I'm a seer, you know, so you just know things. So, and, and they want us to wake up and also to know that, you know, that we're loved and they understand we're under a spell. This is a thing. They, they understand we're un this is, this is heavy mind control and sorcery. I mean, they're using everything they've got to steep people in fear. And I think so that also people don't miss the window. Cause I think we're in a kind of window. I do where the veil's very thin and there are opportunities here to take a big leap, a big leap, uh, a true biological leap, not their idea of a leap. I, I, I like my biology. I think it is absolute genius. I think this body is living genius and the immune system is just extra. I mean, what this thing can do, yeah, that's the thing I've been saying this for you. I'm like, why are we tapping in more into, you know, what this exactly is? I mean, my late teacher, Brew Joy, was a Johns Hopkins trained MD. And he said something like once, he said, we understand maybe 1% of what this is. Like we've got all this sort of fancy science, but like, it's a mystery. It's a living mystery. There's way, way, way more to this and there's this mind body complex. Look, Veda, Veda calls us bodies of water. 
And I made the joke that we're humans, we're water having a human experience. Right? I love that. <laughs> but you know, like we don't really, we don't have any idea, you know, and the ancient Egyptians, uh, was it, no, it was Plato. Uh, no, was it Hermes? Or, I don't know. One of them were like, we're gods. We are gods and we've just forgotten our nature. We need to move towards our God nature, right? So yes, we've forgotten. Now, when you were talking about that story in Egypt, I think this was very interesting about the water and, and devising the sigil because there is a man named Christopher Warnock W-A-R-N-O-C-K. And he's got a website on Hellenist, Hellenic astrology. Okay. And, and he's got a whole thing on talismans. And what is so fascinating is back in the day, these mad magicians, magis, they, of course, were astrologists as well. And so if you wanted to create a sigil, say for financial abundance, you would look at the upcoming transits just as when each of us is born we are the physical manifestation of the magnetics of those particular you know relational planets they were in that particular position out we come and so you want to do a talisman for financial prosperity great okay where do we have the the planetary lineups upcoming where we would have the perfect moment for incredible financial, like that would be the moment. And then they would, they would have that time and they would cast a talisman for the next 18 minutes or whatever that was, as many bronze talismans as they could. And they would hold that, that frequency. Capture, yes. Yes, and the same for healing. And, and so then they would then drop the talisman in the water and then the water would pick up the charge of talisman and then you drink that, similar to what they were doing in, in Egypt. So in other words, yeah, we've got this commercial overlay and it's so shitty, like compared to the true magic if you want to use that word, you know, of, of what we're in, we, we are a living mystery. We're part of a living mystery. And this entire thing is sentient and it's electromagnetic and it will respond. This is why the law of attraction is so important. You know, the way we think, and of course, being mostly water, it would be very important to think, you know, get our thoughts under control. And, That's and what Veda is finding is that she used to be asking questions of water. Like, what are you going to do if I put you on a photo, right? But now, now she's at the point of what you show me, <laughs> what you want to do, right? It's much more organic. And it's kind of like, I'm, I'm here to be your voice, right? And I mean, if you think about it, if water was a conscious being and water wanted to work the land, water would need us to do that to create something like that right water can't water needs a physical container to do these things right and so we don't know we we think that we're the top of the tree that we're the smartest you know uh thing that exists but maybe water just made us to be a tool for it possibly it's a mystery it's a myth. <laughs> 
Well, sweetie, I think we should end it there before the video blows up. But I want to say thank you so much. That was a beautiful conversation. I always love talking to you so much, Anna. Well, I mean, we have to do the more. Yes, I know. Well, we both just got so busy. And, uh, but yeah, I would love to do these once a month. Well, say goodbye to our lovely audience. Thank you so much for being with us. And we'll look forward to seeing you again next time. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. The bright knowledge, I should just say, comes from a book by, uh, one of the books by, by Caitlin Matthews, who's amazing. She and John Matthews are scholars of Welsh and uh, Gaelic uh, myths and story and the whole shamanic uh, realms. And, and so they've written a number of books. But the bright knowledge is the definition of the Gaelic word glefiosa. And glefiosa was what the seer poets were said to possess. And it means the bright knowledge. And I just love that term. And I think especially in this day and age, I think we need the bright knowledge. And so this is your and my uh, intention to bring some interesting conversation into the fore and, and hopefully some inspiration and, and also hopefully some hope for people. Oh, sweetie, look, I, I can tell you that you've done that for me. And so it's working already. And one of the things that I find most exciting about you is that you, through your work, the work that you do with the mushroom, you have access to these realms and you are able to access transmissions that have such deep wisdom in them and are so beautifully poetic that I'm hoping we can share some of those with people out there in the world because they're just too special, really, you know what I mean, to not be spread far and wide. So can we twist your arm <laughs> into doing one for us? I suppose. Okay. <laughs> We, we had talked about this one in, in particular. And so the, the, I, I was in the realms, shall we say, last September. And every time I go in, I, I'm a medium and the beings speak through me in perfect rhyme and the, the entire time. And so I just hold a little digital recorder and, and I just, it's like taking dictation and, and then I just leave it on the whole time and then whatever comes out, comes out. And so this was a message they gave to me and, and they speak in this very old kind of way. Uh, I, I love it, it's beautiful. And so it starts, when it starts, I'll just explain. I was thinking in my mind before they started talking to me about how I had, I had like a week off. God forbid I don't work, you know, for a week. And so I was just thinking, mm, I have a week off. I don't know, I'd rather do another retreat. And so anyway, in they came. Good rest, good daughter, take the gift. Know that you are in a shift. We have got you on a way, a soft and gentle one he gave to all of us who call him thus to cut the boil and drain the pus. And that is what is happening now. Though you cannot figure how the suffering will help at all. And we hear your sincere call. Now, as the sun is warming you and the mushroom, it imbues wisdom to your conscious mind, 
so you won't be left behind. We are leading you with care. We are with you everywhere. We won't leave you in despair or let you get into a snare. Your mind's a free zone, guard it well. In that place they cannot dwell. Keep it clean, dear. Star she blows, wind to steer you where you go. You will sail right through this mess. And we know of the distress, we will help the others too. The innocents, their hearts are true. When you steer your ship in water, we will help you, blessed daughter. Sometimes waves will make a chop, and you simply cannot stop. You must steer sure and sight your ship to the horizon, where you'll flip the ancient coin of destiny. Then and there, you'll ably see where it lands is what will be. Yes, we're playing words with thee. Your eyes opened, you can see, and darling, Wisdom isn't free. It sure ain't no shopping spree. Cycles come and then they go. Some are quick and some are slow. Some lose steam before they start. And we invite your blessed heart to hold that one, that vision there. You will charge that now with care. Wow, that's amazing. I mean, they always give me goosebumps, sweetie. They always give me goosebumps. And they're so, first of all, they're jam-packed with wisdom, but the tone of them is so incredibly caring and loving. And they're beautiful. I mean, there's just, you know, for people who might be skeptical out there at all, there's just no way that you could come up with that off the top of your head. I mean, it's just not possible. No, I don't write like that. And and when I go into that, mushroom medicine it just it just pours through it just pours through and 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 that's actually very very old the seers of old the oracles of old would imbibe some kind of psychoactive unguent of some nature and and then they would go in a high trance state and they would often speak in poetry and so you know it's just it's very very old and we've simply lost touch with that because all of us have been raised in an artificial construct and it is as far from nature as you could possibly get and which is why we're in the mess we're in today and 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 so and i'll tell you what the true ruling elite are the devas they are the 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 plant spirits absolutely absolutely the fairy the elfin. I, I, I more and more think that J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings was more like maybe documentary or public notice. I wonder about that. But those, those are the true ruling elite. And so few, I think, really communicate with them anymore because the masses are so... Um, swept up and seduced and it's easy to be seduced of course by all the media and circumstances i mean i think a society has been created in which we the average family say doesn't have a minute to spare between the earning of the money that's right 
Yeah. And the paying of the bills and the running here and the running there. It's just, we're so disconnected. And, and the worst thing is everybody is more connected to these dreadful things, right? That's the idea. Then, yeah. 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 In fact, a number of years ago, gosh, probably nine years ago, I, I had apprenticed myself to that mushroom 10 years ago. So, so anyway, I, I had taken just a light dose. It was an evening where I just had the place myself. But then my medicine partner at the time called me. And so I never, ever put this thing to my ear, ever. So I, I always put it on speaker. And so I just rested it against something on a table. And I just had a little candle lit. And then it goes black, right, when you stop using it. And so I was talking to him, but the beings were in, and then they were reading his mind. It was a very strange conversation. But at one point, the beings said about that. They said, that is a scrying machine. And I was like, oh, oh my God, because scrying was often done on polished black obsidian. And so that's what they called the cell phone. That is a scrying machine. And so I realized, of course, all of this is wizardry. It's Indeed. all wizardry. It's all magic, if you will. And there's many ways to spin magic because magic is as natural as, I mean, we're in the magical field, if you will. You know, and there's many ways to spin it. And, and so, yeah, but that, that blew my mind. That, that just does bring in a whole new level to it, doesn't it? I mean, it really does. And I mean, in a very, very mundane way, it's absolutely true. And in a much more esoteric and scary way, it also is true, right? I mean, it's uh, it's very disconcerting. But here's the hope, though. Yeah, yeah. In the beginning of that transmission, they talk about a shift, darling, and I want to ask you about this shift, right? There's obviously so much going on now. I mean, from since since 2020. I mean, there's obviously a shift that nobody can miss at all, right? That's such a big hello, <laughs> exclamation point, things are shifting. And that shift is uh, a very disconcerting indication of a shift, right? But you had said to me on another occasion that there are forces and there are forces that are forces. You can't mess with the forces. So when when the beings are talking about the shift, are they talking about the scary shift or are they talking about a good shift or are they talking about all the shifts or what do you believe they're referring to? Well, I'm in a shift because I'm incarnated here as you, we chose to be here at this time, which is a time of endings, but you can't have an ending with the beginning. Right. And so it is a major, a time of major shift. And I will say, because of course you and I see with eyes <laughs> wide open sort of into the deeper layers of what's playing out here. I love you. Call that a dark seer, right? That's a dark seer. A, a black-eyed seer. Yeah. A black-eyed seer. Yeah. Shaman said to me, you are a black-eyed seer. You see the, the shit. You see the stuff that people don't want to see. And then my medicine is owl. And so owl sees in the dark and it sees what others can't see and sees what they won't see. So it can, it helps me with my work because I work as a therapist with people and I can see into a lot of that shadow, which is very helpful. You know, we want to 
turn over all those stones. So we have these psychopaths in charge who are absolutely, I mean, just wholesale destruction of everything. I mean, these guys are nuts. And at the same time, it was my late teacher, Brew Joy, who said, when the forces of change are upon us, it doesn't matter what's in place. It doesn't matter who thinks they're in charge. These are forces, right? And so I use the metaphor. These guys are essentially saying, look, we know spring is threatening to come. We've got our best people on it. It's not going to happen, right? And so ultimately, the real clock is up there in the planetary bodies, those massive gargantuan planets that are the most intense magnetics you can possibly imagine. And we can't not be affected by those magnetics. And of course, as they move and relate to each other, you know, all kinds of things happen. Well, Uranus, and I've been saying this for a long time, I, I spoke with an astrologist recently who said, yeah, we got Uranus up there and, and, and Uranus is going to shake things up. And I'm like, that's what I've been saying, that Uranus is lightning fast change. It's Uranus is out of the box. You know, it is, it's not dogmatic. It's not, you know, it's Uranus says, oh, is that what you think is going to happen? Really watch this. And so that goes not just for maybe, you know, I have something planned and whatever, it falls apart, but it goes, in other words, these guys are not immune. These guys are not immune. And when you're trying to take over the entire planet, you know, a lot can go wrong. <laughs> and, and ultimately their Achilles heel is their hubris and so i i just i can feel this that uranus is going to shake things up and uranus is also revolutionary and these guys are pushing and pushing people and pushing people to the breaking point and at some point they're gonna break and i, I pray to god it's not through violence but 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 just in terms of people are gonna they're gonna wake up they're going to wake up even the ones in a walking coma, I think at some point are going to figure out, wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, you know, something, they're going to do something stupid. That is even those people are going to start to smell the coffee. Well, there's something in the transmission also about your mind. It was like your mind is a sovereign place or something it's like a, that. a free zone, guard free it zone. well in that place they cannot dwell. And so they it's everything's metaphorical right so it's like virus for the computer virus for the mind you know and they've hacked the mind and i think really in the dark sorcery it, it is about manipulation and it's 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 harnessing someone's mind and then you can control them and so this is what's being done through the wand of media which is mostly weaponized and, and, and so they've harnessed people's minds. And then of course, people listen to their television, which is telling them a vision with its programs. And so they're basically being programmed. And, and we know, I mean, it's just, it's like a cult out there. It's a cult. It's kind of, it's just amazing what, what's been done. And so they're saying, guard your mind, like, be very vigilant about what you allow in your mind, that this is a temple and you wanna keep your temple clean and pure. 
And this is the thing too, you know, we've been so led astray over generations and, and we've lost touch with our traditions and our old stories and our myths. And, and that was what gave us a sense of belonging to our cultural heritage, our folk. And this is all around the world. And, and when you take that away from a people, they become lost. And you can, I was just going to say, you can see people are starving for it. There was one that popped around the internet, like it went viral because it's just one of those. And it's like, which wolf do you want to feed that meme? Right. And that's old wisdom, native wisdom. Right. And it is, it, it's a, it's a, a story that people can understand very, very well. And I think the reason it went viral is because we have, like you say, been stripped of so many things like that. But yeah. we hunger for it. Yeah. 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 I think people are, I think they're hungry for wisdom. I'll find, I'll open this up again and, and uh, find a line here. But, but yeah, I think they're, they're hungry for wisdom. Yeah. And, and they're certainly not getting it from the, uh, the television, that's, that's for darn sure. Um, but it's okay about the mind. In that place they cannot dwell. Keep it clean, dear, thar she blows. Wind to steer you where you go. That wind I see as, as like their whispers, their guidance, you know, to steer. And, and so they use a lot of ship metaphors, the ocean. And, and so you will sail right through this mess. And, and I've been actually reminded myself of that several times since then. So that's the other piece, you know, for me, I get these beautiful transmissions and also little insights, little gems that will come to mind because it's very hard not to be in some kind of a little bit of a depression right now, right? And so, you know, I'm not immune to that, but I also, you know, I, I, I say, look, they're stealing our joy. They've stolen joy for the most part. They're stealing everything that is so beautiful and just amazing about humanity. And, and I'm not going on my knees and I'm going to stay connected to the sacred, if you will, the divine, you know, whatever that is for, for people. And and so, and then they said, and we know of the distress, we will help the others too. The innocence, their hearts are true. And so, you know, people might be like, oh yeah, bullshit. <laughs> My whole life is, is a mess. But now it's also in chaos and in destruction, you know, new things are, are birthed. And we were talking about this earlier about in, our concern over what side effects would be experienced by people who are kind of falling into lockstep, shall we say, that this may, may just be the ticket that's supposed to push us into that whole quantum, a, a whole different way of approaching illness, a whole different way of, of you know, of, of, of sort of how we treat this earth and, and our bodies. I mean, ultimately, you know, it's not going to come from the, from the conventional system. 
And so we have to get out of that box. And ultimately, I think this is what this is going to take. Steiner spoke of, of conscious, that would be consciousness that would see our way out of this. So we have to have a very different way of thinking because when God knows what's going to happen in people's bodies with the marriage of whatever is in that stuff. So I know two people, we're also talking about this, who are thinking in that way. And one is thinking about working with people electromagnetically. And by the way, I recently worked with a client who told me about a man she used to see in Scotland and he was working with some electromagnetic machine. It was made in Germany and it was his mother worked with it and then she taught him and you would go for an appointment and this thing would measure your frequency and there were all these frequency signatures in there. And so then he could tell through what it was saying, oh, so you actually have this underlying whatever viral load or whatever or imbalance. And then he would have a tincture bottle and, and this machine would then create a frequency that would go into the liquid in the tincture bottle. And, and then that person would take it. And she said he helped her so much. And then at some point it just kind of disappeared. But, but we, that technology is there. And I think we've had that technology since at least the early part of the 20th century, you know, working with the electromagnetics of the body. And I think that's really where, where it's gonna be at. And then another friend of mine is way into ancient Chinese, formulas for tinctures you know so there's one he works with now called immortals and he said listen those things were aged for 10 to 100 years so he was saying he wants to approach from that that area so that he could maybe work with people who are damaged in some way physically and, and, and also he said people who took the 23andMe DNA test, that could be really helpful because you'd have their, their normal correct DNA and then do the work on them. And then you could retest their DNA and see, oh, has it returned to normal? We've got a baseline here. So, and those are just two people that I happen to know. I mean, they're super brainy, smart and, and creative. And I think also, that's the other thing. I think also just cosmically, this is a time of, powerful creativity if if we can reclaim this harness our minds and and go into that level of thinking and 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 because this is what we need us we need out of the box thinking on a number of levels right now i think it's really i think one of the biggest impediments is the television, as you said, yeah. the television, because it's almost like your mind is a garden. And if you aren't careful about the seeds that you plant in there, Monsanto seeds are going to fly in and, <laughs> and start growing monster crops in your mind. It's the same kind of analogy. And there's, again, there's above, as above, so below. It seems like we are so happy to pollute our bodies and our minds. And so we're just as happy to pollute our waterways and our skies, right? So there's very much above and below. And so maybe we're going through, we'll finally force people to understand you don't play with nature so so without without 
without concern, without discernment, without research and care and respect, right? On this level and on the greater level, perhaps. Perhaps it, it could be, like you said, that shift that we need. Yeah, well, what you're saying makes me think of Victor Schauberger, who was known as the water wizard. And one of his, uh, the quotes from Victor was, comprehend and copy nature. And so that's what he did with his inventions. And he said to the, uh, well, the general public just saying, listen, the machines that you guys are, are using, those spiral outward. And so that's what nature does when she's destroying something. And so it's, it creates a lot of heat, it's loud, it's destructive. And so when you spiral inward, it's cooling, it's silent. And, and, and so that's what, you know, and water does sort of spirals this way and that way, but, but when it does that, he, he just sort of studied water and he actually created the quote unquote sort of flying saucer technology through that. Oh yeah, and there were a lot of different government interests that wanted those patents and, and uh, but you know, he was saying how nature has many, many, many systems, infinite systems, and they all seem to work well together. You know, whereas these guys come up with systems, whatever they are, and they make a mess. They make a mess. And, and, and even this technology, you know, can we have technology that, that doesn't disrupt our electromagnetic field, you know, that doesn't have EMFs kind of thing. I just interviewed Dr. Jack Cruz, and he makes that point also very, very powerfully that, that, you know, nature, the interrelationships between the different systems in nature is perfect, right? And we as humans, again, going back to hubris, and I think of um, the myth, the, <laughs> there was a medicine they would give to pregnant mothers that were having uh, symptoms of uh, uh, morning sickness, thalidomide, and it would take away their symptoms, right? And little did they know that it would end up creating children without limbs and those kinds of things, right? So, and, and it seems that we don't even learn from our history of mistakes. We've got duck and cover to avoid nuclear and doctors smoke so-and-so cigarettes, right? And, and I mean, it's so easy to find a history of this information that humans are just not perfect and we try to fix one thing and we end up breaking another. And if we were to emulate nature in these ways, if we were able to understand nature, for instance, Dr. Jack has this great um, explanation of just literally how these devices are aging us and killing us, giving us diabetes. And you know what I mean? It's just the light alone, the difference between the light that comes out of these and the light that comes out of that is a, the difference between life and death, literally, right? And it's, we are only possibly starting to rediscover this information now. But while we're discovering it, we're creating 5G and 6G and 7G over here and implementing those without even having time. Like time, human invention plus time is very, very revealing. 
But it seems that we've lost the patience to sit and observe what will happen over time. Because our brains have changed. I mean, our brains have changed from these devices. And, and, and so they give you a dopamine hit. And, and, and even getting swept up in either one side or the other is a dopamine hit. And, and so then, then, you know, these things are just so, so addictive. And then, so then sitting curled up in a chair, just with a good book doesn't happen or just sitting even just outside, just, you know, observing nature. It's, uh, it's just amazing. You know, for most people, that's not, that, that, that's not even something they would even think to do. And so ultimately we ignore nature at our peril. And so these guys in charge of, it's, it's like the modern day sort of scientists and science has become really, it's a religion or I would say a cult. And it's, as Steiner said, it's material science. It's just based on what you can, you know, see, hear, feel, et cetera. You know, there, there's no connection to any kind of sort of divine or master intelligence informing intelligence, right? It's, it's pure materialism. And so, and that's where we get the transhumanism and all the stuff that we're, we're seeing, but ultimately, and this AI, artificial intelligence. I'm like, why do I want artificial intelligence when I have, this is living intelligence and nature is living intelligence. And that's the other thing too. So people have been duped into not trusting their own body. This thing is a masterpiece, an absolute masterpiece of, of, of intelligence. And, and we've been on this planet a long, long, long time and, and we've survived a great deal. And when you follow the cycles of nature and, and you, you know, partake of, of, of what she has to offer, you'll be healthy. I mean, it's, it's not rocket science. The problem of course is, you know, this particular uh, society that we are in is not based on those tenets of nature, not, not at all. Look, it, it occurred to me that, for instance, if you, if you follow Dr. Jack's premise and you look back in the 70s and you look at a photo of people in the 70s or people in the 50s, for example, when we had different light bulbs even, right? Everybody was slim and healthy looking, okay? And, but, you know, and it's easy to kind of look at food and say, okay, food's bad because now we have corn syrup and all of these kinds of things. But just because of our disconnection with light alone, these things that we take for granted to such an extent, dead water instead of living water, water in taps, waters that's, water that's been bruised and beat up and chemically you know, manipulated before it gets to us is a very different thing from drinking out of the stream, right? Air that's pure and clean that doesn't have toxins that we have from our factories spewing out poisons and all of those things is very, very different. So it's kind of like we might have created a situation that we're going to need to take some kind of drastic action to get back to nature. I mean, I think we, we, we need to, first of all, acknowledge it. And, I, and, 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 and maybe it just takes, one of the stories that I love so much about 
your own journey with these beings is they told you that you have to get your mind right, right? <laughs> and so why don't you tell that story a little bit? Because maybe everybody, it would be, I mean, it's so like, it's so amazing to see Shauna and in all of your glory, but there was a point where you had to get your mind right too, right? And so oh maybe we can sh share a little bit of that with people because, you know, everybody can start the journey today if they have to, right? So tell us about getting your mind right. Yeah, well, I, I you know, I, I came to the mushroom at the age of 48. So it's, oh my God, 10 years ago. And my marriage was falling apart and, and I had my first mushroom journey and it absolutely rocked my world. And, and so I went in again to those realms the following month and then the month after that and the month after that. And, and so, you know, it was teaching me. It also sent me into a dark night of the soul, which was really important. And, and I wrote a book about it called Love and Spirit Medicine. And, and it's on Amazon and then Evil Amazon. And then it's also on my website, like a, you know, a PDF version. But in any case, uh, one of the main messages that those beings were saying, and it went on for maybe a good three years, was get your mind right, dear. And, and then it would come in when I wasn't on the mushroom. <laughs> get your mind right. And it, you know, they were getting me to see how negative, I could be, I would always go to worst case scenario, you know, or get sort of swept up in, in my own pain from the past. And then you end up recreating. I mean, they were just showing me my patterns, what I do. And, and, and ultimately it's been a magical training these past 10 years, but it started with get your mind right. Because you're not gonna be able to utilize the wand that's in here until you get that head of yours, you know, like get a handle on those thoughts. And, and one of my, a writing that I love is from 1905 from James Allen called As a Man Thinketh. And it was like 21, 22 pages. He was riffing on this, this uh, passage in the Bible that says something like, as a man thinketh, so he is. And that clearly haunted James. And, and he wrote about it and it's been translated into all these different languages. And it's, it's all about how you said it, the mind is a garden and you've got to tend that garden because it must put forth, it can't not. So it's either gonna put forth a lot of weeds and it's gonna be, you know, just untended or, 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 you know, you can create something really magnificent. And he also said, everything that happens in your, you know, to you is a result of what's going on in here. And I find that fascinating because it's not just our conscious thoughts, but it's more sort of shadow stuff as well, stuff we're carrying that we don't even realize. And that's where I think uh, entheogens can be very helpful, not for everybody, but for and a, a number of, of people. And so that's what I had to do. And I had to be on myself. And, and for me, I would ask questions. And so, because in that first year of monthly mushroom journeys, I had this experience, this mystical experience where this white owl came and it morphed into this beautiful woman. And I, I, I had come to the mushroom utterly bereft. And in fact, when it kicked in, I said, please be gentle because I have no skin left, you know? And, and, and that's what happened. She came and she said, you'll be birthed tonight from daughter who longs 
the daughter who knows. And then it was the most extraordinary experience of, I mean, I'll remember it forever. And, and, and after that, I would, I would defer to her. I, I would say, I'm going in the daughter lungs, white owl, what would you tell me? What would you tell me? What should I do? Or how would you handle that? And so I devised through that a way, I mean, I, I share this with my clients in terms of <clears throat> have them envision what I call either the wise man who knows or the wise woman who knows within us or an archetype like a Merlin or whatever. And you would create associations with them and what are their principles? What do they stand for? What, what calls you to them? What does it feel like when you're with them? And then start deferring to them. So then instead of going down the same old, same old path, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're in a much larger space in your psyche now from which to work. And so that's what I was doing. And, and, and I was healing myself and it took some time. And then they started saying, okay, now we're going to train your mind and we're going to work on creating. You want that cottage on a horse farm for you and your girls. Okay. Let's get that, this, get this rolling, you know, and and, and so, yeah, I mean, amazing things have happened as a result. We've talked about that, about the manifesting and, and whatnot. And, and ultimately, see, this is the thing. I, I, I know we're in this electromagnetic field. And you were talking before about Jack Cruz. You mentioned water and light. And then there's electromagnetism. <clears throat> and I, 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 I think those, those three will heal us. Those three can restore us. They could possibly even... Um, prevent aging to a degree or slow it down substantially. He actually talks about that, but before we go there, and I think we should talk about that, those three in a, in a podcast, because I think they're very, very important. But right now I want to talk about a virus, a very pernicious virus that's spreading through the entire globe. And that is a virus of fear. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I think that that when you were talking about talking to the white owl woman, I'm wondering, is that, can you utilize a technique like that to work with fear as well? Because I think that if we could get people out of a state of fear, then getting that mind right, because you know, your mind stops when you're in fear, right? It's just like you go down into your animal brain. So if we could give people some tools possibly to enable them to manage that fear. And I wonder even if they're conscious of it. I, I wonder if they're even conscious I, of it. I don't think they are <clears throat> at this point because it's a cult of fear. And, and I wish I could think of his name. I'll have to look it up. There was a behaviorist at the turn of the 20th century and he was absolutely disgusting man. And he was working with toddlers and babies. Oh yeah and experimenting and he discovered that yes love works they'll respond of course but fear works even better to get them to do what you want them to do and so that's how control is is created through fear on this planet and that's so funny because when you said there's a virus going around the world in my mind i was thinking yeah it's a mind virus and that's exactly right fear and so when you're in fear you're in fight or flight and it prevents you from accessing the higher order thinking. And so the first thing you have to do is interrupt the fear. And 
I'll just say for when I was getting my mind right, I had this epiphany moment where this thought came in. Wait a minute. What if, what if things turned out even better than I could imagine? What if that happened? And that was like, you know, angels singing around. Like I was completely <laughs> blown, blown out of my mind. Like, oh my God. And that's when I realized I, I just, I'm so negative, always going to the, the worst possible scenario. And so it stopped me in my tracks. It interrupted this sort of downward spiral over here. And then I just started thinking, and this is the nature of the mind, it can't help itself. And here's a question, it starts to seek the answer. And I just started thinking, well, if it turned out better than, you know, what would that look like? Well, what would that look, you know? And I just started thinking that. That's so powerful, sweetie. I mean, look, I know if, if, if my own pattern, my own pattern is what is the worst thing that can happen that I can manage? Is, an, is often like, you know what I mean? Like, okay, if yeah. this happens and it's bad, at least I can manage that. What is that, right? The idea of thinking, what happens if it turned out even better than I was thinking? Uh, I can see the power in that and it's completely alien to me, right? So, <laughs> you know, so I think that the pattern interrupt with having a, a very asking questions, like you said, to get the mind spinning and asking a question that's so up here and so positive. Um, because I know, I, I, I know that a lot of people are literally in fear for their physical welfare at the moment. But then I have other friends who were like, nothing's going to happen to me. Everything's fine, you know, and they're doing fine. They're not getting sick. Mm -hmm. They're not getting sick. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. So there's that. There's also, oh gosh, I just lost my train of thought. Um, <clears throat> there was something else I wanted to speak to on, on that. Um, oh, well also it's, consider what if, because I do think this is happening on a grander level, what if I'm being initiated? What if this is an initiation? In other words, we're working with the mind here and the mind is very suggestible, obviously, so we see what's happened out there. And now it's difficult I would say, or it can be, because when you're in fear, you can't access, you can't fear, when you're in fear, you can't access reason. But, but what if we were being initiated? What if this were an initiation? What if we're being actually called to uh, think outside of the box? What if we're being called to step beyond what we think we are and access even even more of, 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 of who and what we are. Now, I think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, though, and I was speaking with my wonderful Australian friend before we, we met this evening, who was also saying that, you know, people are, they're going to be starving people, like they're losing all their, their whatever benefit. It's a problem when a government give you, gives you any benefit or privilege, but you know they've taken that all away now and people have mortgages and everything else. But again, my favorite maxim of law says, as a thing is bound, so it is unbound. 
that means there's remedy for everything there can't not be. I mean, ultimately the remedy to this is for people to come together, which obviously they don't want, and, and really, you know, learn what are my rights? What are my rights really? And how do we assert them? And, and because ultimately this has to come from the people, it's not gonna come from those in charge. And so it is, we're, I look at this almost like we're on a kind of quest. We're being initiated and it's a collective initiation. And so we're feeling this individually, but also collectively. And so, it's, sorry, what? I was just gonna say, it is interesting because when in a classic initiation, fear is an element that's utilized. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. And so if, if, if people were presented with that possibility, it's like you, you've got to introduce something new into the mind because sadly, the only thing they're going to get on their weaponized media is just more fear porn, fear porn programming to keep them in that place where they're not going to have access, but yet it's there. So when you are being initiated, is the point of fear to patent interrupt or to have you negotiated like in that process like okay I've got I'm, I'm realizing that I'm in fear and I'm realizing now because I've heard Shauna say this is initiation now what do I do with it okay well if you're when you're being initiated and you're in that fear piece I mean, initiations are never a walk in the park. They, they, they were, initiations of old were often quite dangerous. And so you have to call up your inner resources and, and, and often kind of talk yourself off a cliff because there isn't necessarily someone there who can kind of, you know, get you, get you to safer ground. And so you've got to go into your own resources and ultimately to that, I think of that still small voice within. And, and I was reading recently, where was I reading this about how the imagination is God or creator, however you want to think of it. You know, I mean, it's where you create from. And, and so we have, and that's also been shut down in this very material culture. And so we need to, that, that's a huge resource, if not almost really entirely, all the resources are there. I love it even on, in Star Trek when they're like, we are not the drones you're looking for. It's almost as if they're creating an invisible force field with their imagination. And I won't, I will offer that I have done that several times, you know, using my imagination to like, I am not the drone you're looking for. And it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And Dr. Stephen Skinner, who is in Magical Egypt 3 with you, my dear, um, talks about a magic spell. Where, and he says it's invisibility, but it's not invisibility in the sense that you cannot see somebody. You, your just gaze slides off them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it, it's amazing once you engage that imagination. And look, they teach kids, they're like, oh, it's just your imagination. It's don't be silly. 
so it, it, it is actively discounted in our culture. And I cannot echo the sentiment more that imagination is creation. I, yeah. I fully agree with you. Absolutely. I mean, that's what you use to vision and, and to vision, to future, to, you know, to, to escape even. And, and so. Speaking of that, do you do like, can, is there a journeying process you can do with fear? Is there something that you can do with your vision? Can you, can you pack it up? Okay. So tell us about that. Well, yeah, you know, you, you, okay. So in fear, I, what I would do at some point, get yourself to a place where you can still yourself, close your eyes and start with breathing because breathing, the breath can take you from point A to point B, right? Breath is amazing. And, and, and again, it just tells you like, we really have everything we need right, right here. And so breathing will change. It'll change your pulse, you know, your heartbeat, everything. And so start with maybe three to six or more just deep breaths and really slow, not just deep, fast, deep, real slow, slow breaths. And so you're already now affecting your nervous system, calming your body down. And then in your mind's eye, and I'm just riffing right now. This is how I would do it. Actually, I mean, this is what I used to do. I did this for years, actually. I would close my eyes. I would take some deep breaths. And then I would go to what I called the circle of the grandmas and the grandpas. And, and uh, like, I just love that. And I couldn't tell you, you know, what race they were or whatever, but they were just kindly grandmas and grandpas, but they were deeply wise. This was the circle of the elders. And there was always a spot for me. And I would go in there seeking counsel. And, and I'll tell you the most profound, one of the things they said to me, I was mourning, this was years ago, this is my medicine partner who I was romantically involved with and, and then he ended it very abruptly. And, and it took me a while to really get over that only because it really activated and, you know, my deepest wound of abandonment. And that was the dark night of the soul. And I had to go through that and I did. But in any case, one time I went in, I was feeling very lonely and upset and in I go, to sit with them. And before I could even like sit down, a voice came to my head and said, he is a bridge and you must cross the bridge. And oh boy, I did not want to hear that. I was not expecting that at all. But you know, that was sort of how direct that wisdom can be. But you have to still yourself to get there. So that first piece is, is the breath and the closing of your eyes and just breathing and then taking yourself to, it could be a circle of elders or taking yourself to a grove of trees. We were talking about your friend with the trees, those were her ancestors, you know, whatever it is. And, and just asking for counsel, what would you have me know right now in this moment? I'm, I'm, I'm so terrified or I'm so depressed or, you know, what would you have me know? That's the, really, that's the way spirit, if you will, speaks to us. We have to still ourselves. And what does this culture have us do? Go, 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 do, do, do. And then on these damn devices constantly, so stimuli. And, and so the brain is, uh, you know, it's, it's like just, 
constantly vibrating at the wrong frequency. And so, so yeah, and what, you know, you, you would do this with anyone, right, who was about to lose their mind. You, you, you'd be like, whoa, 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 breathe. You try to calm them down in that way, breathe, just breathe. So that would be the place I would start and I would be doing that every evening or every morning or whatever. And, and, and obviously, you know, people can get out in nature somewhere. Not so easy in the cities, I realize, but outside. And also, you know, Jack talks about getting light 45 minutes in the, that 45 minute uh, window as the sun is rising. That is a specific quality of light. So beautiful. And then again, when it's setting, it's, you can even feel it in the air. It's just a totally different quality. It's so beautiful. And then getting that vitamin D at 12 noon for a good 45 minutes to an hour. Yes, we need to be outside breathing the air. The air is not poisonous. Last I checked, good to breathe. And getting that light so we can make vitamin D. And there was a fantastic talk given by, I think his name is Dr. Cole. I just heard two days ago, fantastic talk. And he was saying vitamin D, vitamin D, vitamin D guys, you know, and, and when he, and most people are so low on it. And then darker skin people need more sunlight. It takes them longer to process vitamin D. So it's hard on those people who are in more Northern climes, you know, so, you know, they got to get out there and, and cause he was saying, look, the fact that, you know, a lot of darker skinned people are, are getting sick. It's not about like whatever medical racism, even though whatever that that's happens, but, but it's biology that they, they need to be in that sunlight longer so they can. And it could be circumstantial, you know, I mean, people that work in offices or, uh, yeah. you know, places where there's artificial lighting, you know, like one of the things that when you come to Australia, we have a lot of what we call tradies in Australia and tradies are the guys that work outside, right? They do the plumbing and the bricking uh -huh. and the painting and you know what I mean? Tradies, yeah. the gardening. And the thing that is startling about Australia is there's so many men in great shape and it's because they're outside all the time you know what i mean they're in the elements they're in the the fresh air and they're in the sun but i want to just journey back a little bit to this thing you were talking about your grandma your circle of grandmas i i find and that grandpas. and grandpas and grandpas <laughs> grandies grandies we'll call them um that uh one of the things that amazes me is that, you know, I kind of thought I'd done all the work that I needed to do on myself and I had to do some journeying and I did uh, a little journey into my inner child. And the thing that I think was most surprising to me, very much like your incident with he's the bridge, is that the wisdom that you get in these journeys is not at all what you expect is going to be. <laughs> Right. And so, you know, even if you're kind of clumsy at it and you've never done it before, I would really invite people to just go inside and try because it is amazing. It's it's not it's not what you think it is. It is so potent and so timely and so real um, and surreal as well. You know what I mean? It's just it's and I don't think that a lot of people realize that there's so much potential 
They don't because they're so captivated by everything external. Our world has become, it's so externalized. And, and so there's no invitation to really go inward. And, and we are so much more than we even realize. And I really do think that's their greatest fear that we start to tap into that, that we can actually align with something far grander than the system and all of its wonders, that, that there's another force, it's this electromagnetic force, it is a master intelligence. And when we learn how to work this, which is a wand, uh, uh, really um, one of the transmissions said, this genie's lamp is quite fine, so hidden is it in the mind. So I love that. So it's a G and I'm like, Ooh, the mind is a genie's lamp. Okay. I'm going to work with that. And Honestly, in season two, we go there. We absolutely go there. We've found like kind of on a, on a whole different level, we've come to the same conclusion. The mind is a genie's lamp. I mean, it is fascinating. It really is. It's why to the, to the degree of there is oil in the lamp and it needs a spark to light it. Right. I mean, it's crazy. Crazy, crazy stuff but i want to get to in the transmission this boil business talk to me about what's the pus what is the boil that is being cut okay what are they talking about i love that it said something uh let's see at the very beginning it 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 okay we have got you on a wave a soft and gentle one he gave and so he came in that they're speaking about the Christ and not from this Christian point, but, but that, that Christ is the light. Christos, the Christ comes yes. from Christos. Yeah, it's that light. And ultimately it's the light going off in this lamp in here. And so we have got you on a wave, a soft and gentle one he gave to all of the us who call him thus. So we're calling in this Christ light to cut the boil and drain the pus. And so it's this cutting into this corruption that you could think of metaphorically as just this boil. And it's just, it's ghastly. And at some point you've got to cut the damn thing and drain all that away. And, and, and so much is coming forward has been coming forth these past few years and some of it highly disturbing and and disgusting and so there's more of that to come i'm afraid i will say as an oracle there's far more that's going to be revealed that i think is going to blow people's minds and and then there's also amazing things like a lot of the technologies and whatnot that have been suppressed and, and so there's a lot that's going to come forth. And so, but you have got to, you've got to, you know, if you're gonna cure something and it's badly infected, you've got to drain the infection. You've got to get the infection out. And we've got a massive parasite, a parasitic force on this planet right now. 
And so it needs to be exposed. And I just find all of this surveillance interesting because just from a soon Sioux art of war perspective, you can tell a lot about your enemy by you know, how he operates. And so it appears to me that their greatest fear is being revealed, being, being seen, being exposed. That's what I'm looking for, being exposed. Ask Julian Assange about that. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, so yeah. they want to surveil all of us. I don't know who gives that much of a shit about what people are doing and thinking and whatnot, but they, they certainly do for some reason. And, and so, and that indicates also not just a, a, a psychopathic desire to control, but also it seems like pretty fearful to me also, like, what are you guys afraid of? Well, I think to- part of it might be, if you want to go along a Jeff- Jeffrey Epstein line of reasoning, with this surveillance mechanism, they probably have everything on everybody. Of course you know they what I mean? do. Of course they do. <laughs> so it doesn't matter if you're a president or a court justice or a whatever. They've got your records. And- it's perfect. They can yeah. control people in that way. Mm. You know, with all that data and they know every porn site and every whatever else these people have been, they got it all. Every conversation and all their sexting and all that stuff, you know, like, whoops. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Lord. Okay, so we're draining the boil. Now, the first part of that is that we need to draw in the light. So for this boil to drain, we have a job to do. And our job is to bring in the light get the mind right, bring in the light. And we will then be part of the boil draining. Yeah, well, it's interesting. Okay, you mentioned light because I remember in one mushroom journey, this was a number of years ago, I went in and because everyone was saying, I'm a light worker. And I was like, I'm not sure. Anyway, just a little too new agey for me. Anyway, I went in and they said, light worker, your cleanup crew. That's what you are. You're cleanup crew. Clean up your own reality. And and my sense too is that with this whole sort of ascension thing, which I think is sort of interesting. So I'm like, I don't know, because it just seems to me, I don't think we're just going to be able to just rise above all this. I think, you know, we're here to assist. We're part of this reality. You know, we're incarnated at this time. And, and so, yeah, bringing in that light. And so what is light? Light's information. Light is wisdom. Light is beauty, you know, so we bring that in because these guys just want darkness and fear is in, in darkness. Fear is, you know, it's, it's you, 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 you don't know what's going to happen. You're, you're terrified, but that, that light is, well, it's knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. And so, so, and that includes shining the light on things that are, corrupt that's getting hotter and hotter too they're making darn sure it is but i tell you what they have to put out a lot of fires because for every youtube truth teller that they extinguish they figure out some other way of of getting their message out and they get three times as many more people too (laughs) it's like well what they must have been saying something good let me find them (laughs) well yeah and think of like a new platforms come up and yes they'll shut those different ones down but you know right now there's telegram and uh 
you know, signal and WhatsApp and Clubhouse and you name it. It just goes on and on. Yeah. It goes on and on. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's human nature. It's almost like life force. You cannot quell life force. And, and so it's just, it's an awful lot of people to try to accomplish what they are endeavoring to accomplish. I love the cleanup crew. That seems a lot more realistic and authentic to me, right? Yeah. Honestly, like, you know, I'm kind of with you about floating off into the ether. Look, I love the idea of that. And I yeah, would love to just end up on a... Me too. I'm in. Uh, <laughs> I thought I already qualified for the new universe, but yeah. But yeah, no, I think cleanup crew, that, that seems... That seems accurate right i think if i look at what i'm trying to do in my life it's like shine lights on things but also cleaning up mess right cleaning up my own personal mess for a start right and helping my husband clean up his mess <laughs> he has to do it himself but anyway but you know what i mean like i see that as and in so doing like for instance just the quest i came out of advertising for give me father for I have sinned right and you know advertising is all about manipulating someone's consciousness to get them to be in need about your product to the extent that they're willing to put their credit card out of their pocket in that moment and buy it so that's some heavy duty manipulation right so I have done the work on myself necessary to the point where now I've, I've utilized manipulation to such an extent that I won't do it now to the point where I will tell people what I think. And that's a lot less welcome, but I feel much more authentic, you know? And so there was a journey there of getting my mind right around telling lies, you know, if you know yeah. what I mean. So, yeah. so if we are all to do that, kind of work right cleaning up the mess just just the way that we operate in the world would be less cooperative with the systems that are enslaving us yeah 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 and really again we have to be vigilant with our thoughts and the way we speak and ultimately the way we act and so also I'm thinking that line that says, you know, you're sailing your ship and sometimes waters make a chop and you simply cannot stop. In other words, life happens, shit happens to trip us up. And it's like, you've got to keep your eye on the horizon. You've got to keep your focus to the best of your ability. And often when you do set out to do something, it's almost like it just initiates all the opposing forces come in, you know, and to test you ultimately. And, and uh, yeah, actually, let me just. I'm just laughing at that because, oh yeah, I know that trick. <laughs> That's a good trick. The universe really does, doesn't it? It kind of, it's like, and, and I, I, a lot of the people that I know have that experience too, that it's like, okay, I'm going to make this change. I'm going to do this thing. It's like, ah, yeah. 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 <laughs> yes, you will be tested. And, and, and again, you know, when you can anticipate that, it's like, all right, then I'm not going to, well, this is also why we have to clean up our own 
house, as it were, because we can go into our, this always happens to me, oh God, or this is because of this, whatever. And there's, I had all that cleanup to do, you know, that I'd become so identified with my backstory. It was like, that is in the past. We've got to retrain the mind here. Otherwise, I'm going to keep repeating these patterns. And so eyes on, on the prize or the horizon as, you know, and this is what they would be telling me. Um, yeah, and then, and then to the horizon where you'll flip the ancient coin of destiny, then and there you'll ably see where it lands is what will be. And so they're not saying what's going to happen, but, you know, there is fate, destiny, and, but you got to keep going in order to, you know, sort of see. I'm reading that positively because I've heard some of the other messages and they make me feel like there's a happy ending to all of this. But that is so wise, isn't it? That's so wise that you'll get to a point, the coin will flip, right? And there's a role we all play in that as well, I think. You know, we have, like you said, you have to keep out, we have to keep our vigilance. We have to let allow the waters to do what they will ban it you know bandy us about but we need to keep moving forward to the point where the coin what is it the coin will toss? to the horizon uh, uh uh let's see to the horizon where you'll flip the ancient coin of destiny then and there you'll ably see where it lands is what will be so deep sweetie so deep yeah, and yes, we're playing words with thee because they love to play with words. Your eyes open, you can see because I was on a mushroom. I was, woof, I was seeing. <laughs> and darling, wisdom isn't free. So here's the other piece. And I've also been, I've been saying this for years. I've been saying, this is grow up time. This is grow up time. Like the party is, if it's not over, it's ending. Like, in other words, I describe waking up as, as that, it's been a big party and then it's the morning after and you're just like, oh Christ, I did that. Oh no, oh no, we did that, oh shit, you know? And then it's time for a cleanup. And ultimately these initiations, what do they produce is wisdom ultimately, but it's not free. It ain't no shopping spree. And, you know, I have a friend who refers to the planet as he's like, it's just, it's like been a shopping mall for a while, you know? And, and it's like, that's needs to, we, we need to grow. We need to move beyond that. And because if we're going to, you know, change this place for the better, we have to do it with wisdom because are these guys in charge using wisdom? No, they have zero wisdom. They're, they're, you know, they're criminally insane in any case. And then this last piece cycles come and then they go, some are quick and some are slow. Like this is cyclical. Some lose steam before they start. I love that. And we invite your blessed heart to hold that one, that vision there. You will charge that now with care. Some lose steam before they start. I mean, this, this is started, but it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be what they are envisioning it what if it's better than we could possibly imagine exactly 
exactly exactly i just got goose pimples oh my gosh okay so we hold we hold the vision we don't buy into the fear we don't buy into the program we don't sit back and wait for ascension but we put our energy into the wolf that says this is going to lose steam yeah i well, well i have two words epic fail and, and I've been thinking that for a few years and I was thinking that, oh God, a good few years because I was coming back from, I think it was Scotland and I was in an airport. And anyway, in my mind, I was thinking of whatever that came to mind. I think about this stuff a lot. And I was just like, epic fail. And I kept walking, the place is super crowded, busy airport. And then these two little boys are together and they've got like, a, I don't know, a Game Boy or something. And then one of the boys goes, epic fail. And I was like, oh. Oh my God, what are the odds of that? And so, you know, I took that as a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yep, dear. Uh -uh. I think we're making t-shirts. We're making t-shirts for the bright knowledge with epic yeah. fail. Epic fail. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, and, 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 and then also again, when you starve something of your attention and energy, it withers. Yes. So it's like, all right, I, I can't necessarily, I can't control what's playing out there in the greater world, but I have my environment here. I'm doing all manner of things to just create a beautiful life for myself. And then working with these people, helping them one person at a time to think in a different way to to harness their own power. And, and then, you know, I crawl into bed at night and, and, you know, there's nothing else to do, you know? And so that's when I talk to the divine, whatever that is for people. And I mean, I talk out loud and I say, thank you. And, 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 and I envision and, and, and then also key into different sayings and whatnot there's a woman we talked about her i think a while ago florence scovel shin she was alive in the big 20s or so and she was a mystic and and one of the lines she said and i just i took this to heart because i say it all the time is is god has ways i know not of so whatever god it we, we say creator source has i don't care whatever it is source has ways i know not of because we're in here in the play. I'm not backstage with, I have no idea what's coming, you know, in the rest of the script or how this thing goes. I do know it's infinite. So, and, and ultimately, you know, we've got these forces, good and evil, essentially, truly, it's positive and negative charge. And they're constantly interfacing, coming up against each other, you know, and we're in one humdinger of that right now. And, and so I'm just like, I'm, I'm going to create. I'm going to create and I'm going to really be vigilant with this because otherwise, what's all this work I've been doing for 17, 18 years, like really diligent working with these amazing teachers and what to get all upset now and fall <laughs> under a dark spell because it's spell casting. Yes, it's, exactly. It's, what do they exactly. call it? I the mean, television? it is a spell, isn't it? It is a spell, a dark spell that's been cast. It's, it's spellcasting. It's the yeah. public broadcasting system. That's <laughs> all they're telling you. They're casting telling a spell broadly. <laughs> <sighs> 
Oh, my dear. Well, thank you. I think that was amazing. I think it's going to be very helpful to me, very helpful to the people who listen to this. And uh, I, I think we're just blessed to have your personal wisdom and the wisdom of the beings that you have transmissions from. You know what I mean? It's one thing to hear it, but to be able to make it manageable and useful and integrate it like you have, it's a blessing. So thank you for sharing that. Well, thank you for your wisdom, Denise. My goodness, your wisdom and your knowledge. It's, it's so fun to be able to dialogue like this with you. 